Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to It's Your Call. I'm Andrew Richardson, and I'm here with Karen Medland. This is our podcast on discerning a call to ministry, and we have uh, lots of interesting guests who cover a wide variety of ministries. And today we're pleased to have Padre Megan Jones, who is a Canadian Forces chaplain in Cold Lake. Welcome, Megan. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. It's such a pleasure and a blessing to be with you today. Yeah, thanks, Megan. Welcome. So, Megan, as Andrew just said in the introduction there, we have had a variety of people on our show, but you are our first military chaplain. Welcome. So that's a little bit of a different call, maybe, than lots of our listeners are used to thinking about or have even heard about. So can you give us an introduction into your call into ministry? And then maybe we'll talk a little more about specifically into military chaplaincy. A military chaplain, of course, we're serving military members and their families. And that is exactly where I got my call was within the CAF. I was already a member of the CAF, but it was, you know, a different trade. I was a military police officer at the time, but that's where I kind of found my way to my faith, to the United Church, and also to my ministry. I was raised Roman Catholic, so not United Church. And I was born and raised in Sydney, Cape Breton. The church was definitely a big part of my early life and in my childhood. My mother wanted me and my sisters to go to church. And so it was a big part of my life. We would do summer Bible camp and all that fun stuff. And I remember very early on as a child, I didn't get much out of the services because I found them a little boring. So as any child does, you kind of drift away. But it was... The building, I think, that really felt like home for me. There was something so comfortable and something so relaxing about the church. It just felt like home every time I was in that building. And, you know, I drifted away from that in my teenage years, like a lot of us do. The church wasn't a big part of my life, but it wasn't until I joined the military that I actually came back to the church. and, And that's where I found the United Church. It was during basic training that I've really connected with a United Church chaplain who was our chaplain during basic training, and that kind of opened the door for me. What was that uh, like for you, uh, that encounter with that chaplain? What was it that sparked the in you the sense that you might like to do that too? Basic training is a really interesting experience, right? As as everybody knows, you join the military and you go to basic training and, and there's a whole lot of stress during that course. It's kind of like summer camp, but all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst of summer camp. The worst of summer camp. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stress and, and you're not sleeping and there's you're in the classroom all day long or you're out in the field. The days are really long and you've got instructors the whole time that are after you for everything, right? You're not wearing your uniform right. You're not marching right. You're not running fast enough. You're not doing your push-ups right. You know, you name it and they're constantly at you. And so I remember it was Sundays. Sundays were such a treat because the instructors would give us one hour to attend chapel. Mm. And I just remember thinking, this is one hour where it's going to be quiet, where I'm not going to have to worry and stress about anything, where I can just sit and take in the service and I don't have to, I don't have to be stressed out about anything. And the best part of it too is, oh, the chaplains. I mean, 
the brilliance, they bring coffee and Tim Hortons for you, right? So you get Timbits, you get coffee, life is good. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. (laughs) Give me that one hour. And I knew one of my friends was going to a Protestant service. So I decided to go with her. And that was such an eye opener for me. It really was. I mean, as soon as I walked in, I got that sense again of being at home, right? (laughs) I got that comfortable sense of just being exactly where I should be. And then on top of it, the United Church chaplain who was preaching at the time, what it was a woman, and I had never seen a woman in the pulpit. And it just, it opened up a whole new world for me, like of possibilities. And I kind of dove right in and I was doing Bible studies and I was having conversations with the chaplain. And I remember they used to give us these small little Bibles and I always carried one around in my pocket and it didn't matter where I was, like I could be out in the field. And if we stopped for five minutes, I would pull it out and read. It could be anywhere. I could just pull out this Bible and read. And and it was that feeling of coming home all over again. I could carry that with me wherever I went. And it was such a strength and a blessing to have that with me. And then to have the conversations with the chaplain, I, there was always little hints that maybe this is something that I should do like little whispers that maybe this is what I'm called to do. But I think like a lot of us, we push back on that calling, right? Because it's not anything that we ever thought for ourselves. I push back and I push back for a good long time. (laughs) So it wasn't until much, much later on, again, another United Church chaplain, Jim Shores, he walked me through those first steps of discernment. And it was actually, it was on my first deployment as a military police officer. I was uh, in Afghanistan and that experience changed my life. But it was Jim who walked me through those first steps and, and really got me thinking that this is a possibility for you. Oh, well, we've got to thank Jim then, who... <laughs> Uh, for encouraging you to think about military chaplaincy. And so was Jim someone who you see as kind of the person who tapped you on the shoulder? We talk a lot about the tap on the shoulder from the community or from an individual. Was Jim that for you? Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of different people that I find God just lined up a lot of different people in my path to kind of keep me on the path because I was pushing back on it so much. But he did. God lined up all of those people to kind of keep me on that track. And Jim is definitely one of them. Jim is somebody who really took an interest, who really showed me what it meant to be a chaplain in the Canadian Armed Forces. And opened up that possibility that yeah maybe this is it maybe this is my vocation Mm -hmm. yeah we had long conversations Jim really encouraged me especially while I was overseas to kind of explore that I worked in the chapel quite a bit in my spare time we did a bible study group there overseas and we did a lot of great work over there. And Jim kind of led me into that work. And we had a lot of humanitarian aid overseas at the time. And so we went through that, we kind of figured out who needed what we made sure it got to local schools or orphanages or out to the troops right in the fobs. 
And we sat down with a lot of the locals, a lot of Afghan locals, a lot of the women, just to get an idea of what their experience was and to make connections there and to realize that we had a whole lot of similarities, right, instead of differences. And he opened up a whole new world for me that way and got kind of a fire lit under me (laughs) to pursue chaplaincy. Yeah. Once you've decided that that was the career path for you, how is going into chaplaincy different from going into regular ministry in terms of what you need to do? And was there a change or was it more difficult or... It's very similar in the process. I was really, really lucky when I decided to finally start to explore what this vocation would look like. I decided to take a year at Emmanuel College on my own. I was in the reserves at the time. So part-time, I would do that work. And then the other part-time, I would go off to Emmanuel and try to get my first year of an MDiv done. And then in my second year, I applied for an education program within the Canadian Armed Forces. And so that opened up a whole world of possibilities for me because what the military then did was they took over my education. So my education would then be paid for by the military. I would still be employed as a military member, but my focus would then be getting my MDiv and getting my student ministry. It took a lot of the pressure off of me so that I could focus on getting the steps in place to become a military chaplain. We still have to go through all of the the regular steps that you have to do for ordination. You know, I had the candidacy assessment board. I had to go through that whole process. We have to do two years of on-site ministry. So I did that. And then once I completed that, I could then start my military side, which is another course that we do in the military at the Chaplain's Academy in Borden, where we do our own basic training, a chaplain's basic training. And then we get additional courses on top of that. So we do an ethics course and a counseling course, and we look at what it means to be a chaplain in deployed operations, that type of thing. So you've got all of the regular stuff for ordination, but then you have an additional course set too for military chaplaincy. I didn't realize there was a chaplain academy. There is, yes. Yeah, we have one at uh, the base in Borden. Um, our, our chaplain school is there and it's kind of the center for chaplain education and also just constant place of development of training and learning. Chaplain. And that would be all denominations? It would actually. It's multi-faith. Or so interfaith. All of our chaplains go through that. And we have the Christian faith, but we also have Muslims and our Jewish brothers and sisters go through there too. And it's really opening up in the coming years where we're going to see that open up even more. So we'll have Buddhist chaplains and various faith groups will be coming through. So it sounds then there's many similarities, I would say, probably between kind of the everyday run of the mill, being a minister, offering counseling, leading worship, but you are in such a unique setting in so much as you could be deployed somewhere, right? You can get sent places that Andrew and I will never get sent. I mean, I think I'm in real trouble if I don't have room service in a hotel. (laughs) But you are sleeping in tents and kind of out there in the thick of people's lives in a way that maybe is not experienced by other ministry staff or people going through ministry. So can you say a little bit about what that feels like to be 
in the midst of that as a chaplain. But that's not what you're doing when you're a military chaplain, it seems. No, no, I I would say, you know, there is always going to be a little bit of office work, of course, but one of the greatest joys I think I have in my ministry is that idea of a ministry of presence within the military. And it looks pretty different to a regular kind of congregational ministry because you go where the troops go. And one of our greatest gifts is that we get to do that with them, right? We are that presence among them as they do what they need to do, whether that's training at the schools, whether that's, you know, out in the field on exercise, or it could be deployed, right? I mean, we just got back from Romania. I went out with one of my squadrons for, it was three and a half months in Romania to do a NATO air policing operation over there. And so it it looked very, very different. There's always going to be some similarities. I had chapel service every Sunday, but that chapel service was now made up of American soldiers who were there with us, but it was Canadian soldiers too. So we got to celebrate and worship together every Sunday. But at the same time, it's going to look a little different. My day-to-day activity is on the airfield with the troops. And I'm there learning from them, seeing what they're doing, being that presence so that if they need me, they're comfortable coming to me and talking to me because I understand what they do day to day. I understand what the pressures are that they have. I understand the stress that it puts on their family members back home because my own family is back home. And so when we get to walk with them in that way, it very much opens up a ministry and they're comfortable talking to us because we have a shared experience. I would say that I got a brief window of that with one of your colleagues, Megan, when they sent in some of the uh, Canadian forces into the small time where I served in 2003 when we had the wildfires come through BC. And I was very honored to be invited by the chaplain to come and have dinner with the force with the troops, which was really fun. I've never been called ma'am so often in my life. <laughs> I kind of wanted to record it and take it back and say to my congregation, this is how I want to be treated. <laughs> but what I noted in that relationship is, yes, I mean, my understanding is that you're all officers when you're chaplains. Is that correct? We are. Yeah, we all start off as captains. Yeah. And But what I really noticed was what you were just saying about that ministry of presence kind of sparked this thought for me, was just the way a chaplain almost bridges the world for all of those who are serving. I noticed that when we were going around, there wasn't a lot of saluting to the chaplain, but more of a kind of, hi there, how are you doing conversations, and just noting that very special relationship the chaplain seemed to have with everybody, uh, regardless of whether they were going to turn up on Sunday services or not. Yeah, it is a different role within the military, because of course, the military is very structured with its rank. And there is a particular way that the rank system works and how information flows up, and it flows down from the chain of command. But the chaplain is in a really unique position. We are the rank that whoever we are talking to at the time. So Mm. it allows us to kind of move and flow within that rank structure. If one of the troops is having a hard time and I need to go to the commanding officer, 
then I can take that request to the commanding officer. And when I'm speaking to the commanding officer, I speak with the authority of a chaplain, but I can also talk to the troops too. It allows communication to happen a whole lot easier and to be a whole lot more fluid because we don't take on our rank, I think, as much as other trades do. One of the beautiful things too about the chaplain's trade is we minister to our own. I will minister to United Church members within the Canadian Armed Forces, but I facilitate the spiritual care of everybody. It doesn't matter what their faith group is. If they are in my squadron, then I will help them make sure that they have the resources they need for their own spiritual care and well-being. And then, of course, we care for everybody. And it doesn't matter who they are in that rank structure. We care for everybody. I will check in with my troops But I will also check in with the officers and with the commanding officer too, right? To see how they're doing. We kind of flow through the chain of command that way and make sure that everybody is being taken care of. In the secular world, certainly there's fewer and fewer people interested in church and Christianity and maybe religion generally. But I've always thought maybe the chaplain in the military people see differently. So do you find that even folks who are not Christian or not of any kind of atheist or whatever will seek you out for what you have to offer? Yes, I would say so. I think that they will seek out chaplains for a lot of different reasons. And of course, I have a little cross on my uniform. Uh, They know that I am of the Christian faith, but it doesn't put doors in front of us, right? It doesn't restrict who comes to see us at all. It's another joy of this ministry. I get to sit down in an office and talk to people of every faith group. And every time I do that, I learn something, right? I'm learning more about their faith. And you can have those wonderful conversations where it actually strengthens your own faith too. It's like a a little give and take. and, And as I'm learning, I understand my faith then a little bit deeper. And it's such a blessing. Like I've learned so much, even though I've only been doing this for a couple of years, I've learned so much about different faith groups. And that is a really great joy. And at the same time, people will come to us and sometimes it's not even about faith. It's not about spirituality. They're just struggling. Like anybody else within a congregation, they're struggling. It could be relationship issues. It could be anything under the sun. And what a chaplain provides is hopefully a safe place where that person can come and we can talk about what's going on. And then we can kind of figure out what's the best steps forward. And that's really what we want to be able to provide is to make sure that they are comfortable. It doesn't matter what they're struggling with. They should be able to come into the office and have that conversation with us. Because sometimes people, especially within the military, there's a lot of stigma there. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be able to take care of yourself. You're supposed to be able to continue to contribute to the team. And you don't want to be perceived as weak or struggling with anybody. And they need that safe place where they can come in and they can just let it all out because we're all struggling with something and they need to be able to have that spot. And with the chaplain being a presence within the unit, that's where we really make that connection and it allows them to have that safe space. Well, now you're, you're in um, Cold Lake, which is an Air Force base. You have other colleagues in the chaplain's uh, I do, yeah. base? 
We have a pretty good sized team here. We have different denominations. At the time right now, we are all of the Christian faith group. But yeah, we have quite a few denominations represented here within. And you work as a team. That way, you don't feel like you're off on your own, which can be pretty intimidating. You kind of work together and you, you can kind of share advice on particular cases that you're struggling with. Or if you need to bring somebody else in, you have that team atmosphere. And most of our bases and wings and formations have that. There's a couple where you might be a one-off because of the size of the base, but typically you're going to have a team that you can draw on. You went to Romania, were you by yourself? I was in Romania. I was the only Canadian chaplain there, but luckily there was an American group there. I got to work with some of the American chaplains too, which was fantastic. One of the really interesting things is you get to go out into the communities and meet the faith leaders there. So I got to know the local Romanian Orthodox priest quite well. And we worked on a couple of projects with with him and he actually had us out. He took out myself and the American chaplain and a couple of other Canadians and Americans. And we had a feast day for one of their religious holidays. So we got to experience that with the Romanian community and you get to have these amazing experiences and make connections and learn about their faith and they're learning about yours. And it was really interesting, especially when you throw the gender dynamic into that, it it gets pretty interesting. (laughs) He was always asking me where my husband was and if my (laughs) husband was going to drive me. Because I couldn't drive myself. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it is an interesting dynamic, especially maybe when you're deployed somewhere, Megan, is that gender role, you know, that gender piece. In the United Church, we're pretty used to women in our pulpits and, you know, women in charge of things, you know, because really, where would the church be without us? Sorry, Andrew. But when you're in somewhere like Afghanistan or in Romania, where the Orthodox Church is, it's male priests, or you're working across those interfaith lines with, say, in somewhere like, as I say, Afghanistan, how has that been as a as a female minister in or a female chaplain in the forces? It is interesting. I didn't experience chaplaincy in Afghanistan, but I I did experience the kind of gender roles and how they played out there. And it it was interesting. It takes a a little bit of time to figure out how to maneuver them, but you find ways. You do find ways to kind of figure things out so that you and your male counterparts can kind of work together. And it does open up some interesting conversations about what that looks like to have a female in a leadership role who is training Afghan national police members who are, of course, all male. It is difficult sometimes to maneuver, but you do find ways to do it. And then it's an interesting experience, I think, for them, but it's also interesting for us too, as we do find those ways to work together. Sometimes in some locations, even in Canada, like here in Cold Lake, I'm the only female chaplain on the wing. So there are some difficulties, I think, that come with that. But you find ways to kind of deal with those. I have a a couple of female colleagues that I'm really close to. Mm -hmm. We talk about what's going on and what we're experiencing, and, and that helps. I think it's an asset to, I've had Chains of Command tell me that it's good to have Sometimes like our female soldiers, they want to talk to a female chaplain, right? So it's 
good to be able to provide them with that. And then Romania was a whole lot of fun. Romania was, yeah, it was definitely, it was really interesting. I I got to go to an Air Force Academy for Romanian students and they were doing, one day it was just an open forum for the female students there. And we got to talk about what it's like to be a female, a woman in the military and what the challenges were. And it was really interesting because we had a group of Canadians and then we had about 200 Romanian women there. And we found so many commonalities and so many connections. And it was really an eye opener. And I think they, it was an eye opener for us to see that we were sharing a lot of the same struggles. It's a fantastic opportunity to kind of make those connections. In your work there at Cold Lake, what is the biggest need that you see as a chaplain? For me, it's hard to say any one need. I think that there's a lot of needs that are maybe particular to the military context, of course, just with what military members are exposed to, you know, what their families are going through too, with trying to support them. That in itself is going to be a little bit different, I think, than a congregation. I think for a lot of people, and it doesn't matter, I think, where they are, they want to be seen and they want to be heard And when they're struggling, they want to know that they're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what context you're in. That's what I'm seeing when people are coming into my office. They've been holding on to something and it could be anything, but they've been holding on to it for such a long time. And to be able to sit and talk to somebody and open up and know that they're being heard. I think that's where we start. That's where the connections start. That's where the hope can start. It doesn't matter what context you're in, but I think there's a lot of that right now in the world. We've been through a lot in the past two years. We've been through a lot and we're seeing, I think, a lot going on in the world right now that have people discouraged and it has people isolated and it can bring out the worst in people where we are at two different sides of the spectrum and and so many people I think are just looking for connections right now and and they're looking yeah just to be able to be heard I don't know if that answers your question absolutely Mm -hmm. one of the things that really struck me is I think being in the military is is unique. It's a unique culture. And so just navigating that culture and interpreting that culture to your family and friends who are not in it would be uh, difficult. And to have somebody who's part of that culture and understands it, not just from the outside, but you, you you live it just like they do. And so that would be really important to me. Mm -hmm. And that is, how we make that connection, right? You have to go through the experience yourself in some way. It is really hard in in the military, if you're struggling with something to sit down with somebody who hasn't had that experience, it's really hard to explain it because it is such a big part of our lives too, right? We put on the uniform in the morning and that is our, it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our identity, I think. And when you're trying to explain to somebody, it's really hard to explain all of the different aspects of that culture, rank structure, right? Like postings every three years, picking up your family and moving them, trying to talk to somebody who hasn't gone through that. 
who hasn't been deployed, it can be really hard to do. I know for myself, when I came back from Afghanistan, trying to have conversations Everybody had the best of intentions. They wanted to know what I did. They wanted to talk about it. But it was really hard to make a connection with people because it was an experience that completely changed my life. Some good, some bad. But it was hard to make that connection. And then I would sit down with people who had been there. And it's like, all of a sudden, you have a bond. You just have this instant bond with that individual because there's that shared experience. So as a chaplain, we get to share that military context. You know, we get to learn about everything that our troops do. And that gives us that connection so that we can have those conversations so that they understand that the door is open. And when you sit down and talk to me about how your family is having a hard time with a posting, I'll get it because my family had a hard time with the posting, right? Like it does, it bonds you together. So the show that Andrew and I do is about discernment into ministry, the many facets of being in ministry. And I think for a lot of what we've talked about over the last few weeks has been people going into traditional ministry, but with a little kind of a side gig, you know, so they're a writer or they're a speaker or something like that. But it's all very much related to being in what we would call traditional pastoral ministry. So people kind of know what the route is. Would you have advice or or suggestions about things that someone who's listening to this going, you know, maybe a military chaplain's what I want to be. Maybe that's actually the specific part of my call. Would you have suggestions about how they might prepare for that? Is there something, you know, should they join the reservists? Should they, you know, get a degree in social work before they go to theological training. Is there anything, Megan, that you would suggest? I think the first thing you got to do is sit down and talk with somebody who actually, who is in the trade and who is a chaplain. I think that's very, very important because it is a bit of a different lifestyle just to get an idea of, okay, moving every two to three years. What is that going to look like, right? What is it going to look like for you and for your family? How do you feel about picking up and going for nine months on a deployment? You really have to think about those things because it is kind of different in that way. But I would say any type of counseling courses that you can take are always fantastic. I find in this ministry, you're never going to have a boring moment. (laughs) There is always going to be something new that gets thrown at you. And that is great. But if you can have a foundation, especially in pastoral care, in counseling, in CPE, then dive in and grab those courses. There's a lot of opportunities once you get into the military to take additional courses. They are great that way for providing us with additional training. But if you want that solid foundation before you get in, definitely take it. Physical PT is definitely a part of this. We do have to keep up our PT standards. We do the same tests that the troops do. You're going to be out marching with them. You're going to be out running the ranges with them. So you got to take that into consideration too. It's definitely a part of the lifestyle. And I would say the biggest thing is have a conversation with somebody who is a chaplain. And that's something that I know... For my colleagues, they're always happy to do. We're always happy to sit down and have that conversation about what it's like and how it's a little different and how it's this, you know, similar to different types of ministry. But yeah, I would say have the conversation first. 
go to a reserve unit too and see what they're doing. We have amazing reserve chaplains and they're more than happy, I'm sure, to kind of walk you through what it looks like to be a reserve chaplain. And that way you dip your toes in a little bit before you you want to come in Reg Force and do it full time. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty exciting job, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely, it keeps me on my toes, but it is such a blessing. It is such a blessing to walk with people through some of the most sacred moments in their lives, right? I mean, we get to do all the stuff that ministers love to do, like baptisms and mm-hmm. weddings and all of the fun stuff. And we do it with a little bit of a military twist. So you might be in a uniform when you're doing a wedding, or you might do it on a hangar floor, or, you know, you, you never know where you're going to be or what you're going to be called to do. And it's such a blessing. There's a sacredness to it, right? And even when you're walking with people through some of the toughest times of their lives, there's a sacredness to that, to mm-hmm. know that that person going to open up mm-hmm. and talk can try to get them help if they need help that yeah, it, it is a special type of ministry, I would say. And I couldn't imagine doing anything else but what I'm doing right now. Well, I was signing up right out until she mentioned PT, Andrew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sure. No. Somebody, somebody would chase behind you and make you do it. Yeah, they're really good like that. Yeah. I'll get you over that wall. I thought the chaplains got exemption from some of it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds like you're as deeply called to this now that you're actually doing it as you were when you began. And, you're, you know, your enthusiasm and your commitment come across easily. And we're thankful that there are chaplains for our military troops. Yeah, and for all the work you do and helping them engage with, I mean, I just love the stories. Um, I mean, you've mentioned Jim Short before, and I've talked to Jim about some of the, the things he's done, just that engagement, kind of taking taking Canada, taking our forces into places maybe they don't get to go because you as a chaplain can connect with the local community and show a different side of what is possible when we're help out there to serve the world. Yeah, thanks for that, Megan. Oh, no, no, it is my absolute honor. It is. It's an honor to be in this ministry, to be able to serve our troops and their families and the amazing support that their families give. It is an honor. Well, on that note, I think we can say thank you to Megan, our Padre Megan Jones, for serving both the church and our forces in her role as military chaplain. And so from me, Karen Medland, my co-host, Andrew Richardson, and from Padre Megan Jones, we want to say thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening to It's Your Call, our podcast of the United Church of Canada. And we'll see you next time. Bye. For spiritual resources to be used in a group or individually, shop United Church Bookstore at www.ucrdstore.ca. Listeners of It's Your Call receive 20% off orders over $45 with the discount code YOURCALLING.